Blog Talk Radio. July 28th, 10 o'clock in the morning, broadcasting live from Atlanta, Georgia. It is We Are Not Cattle Radio. I am one of your hosts, TJ Smith, and alongside me is the other host, Mr. Jake Counts. This morning, we are basically going to break down who we are for any kind of new listeners that we may have. Just to get, well, just to let you know that we at We Are Not Cattle Radio, we basically are straight for the truth. We are not for no watered-down media. We are not biased. We are not racist. I am black, by the way, and Jake is white. <laughs> um, but our whole goal is to basically tell the truth and keep unity. We do not want to give you no BS. Everything we tell you is straightforward. We are not here to make you angry. We are not here to mislead you. Everything that we tell you on the show can be proven. Everything that we tell you is already document facts from government facts to inside the news today, but we actually give you this straight perspective on it. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and bring in my co-host, Jake Counts. Hey, man. Thanks. Great intro, TJ. You know, it's it's something that you and I spent a lot of time on last night, just talking back and forth about the message that we really wanted to get across with the show. And, um, and you, you're exactly right. We want a non-biased opinion. We want... You know, we're not going to play that. We're not going to race bait anybody. We're not going to do any of that stuff. We actually get tired of of certain individuals that are in the liberty movement or in the truth movement that'll take things and run with them and sensationalize them. Where what we're trying to do here is to get people to pay attention to what's going on, get people to understand that there's always two sides to a story, and and one of the things that we're going to cover this morning is going to be um, what our president said that that the right-wing conservative media took and, and, and ran wide open with, and that's the you-didn't-build-that statement. But if you actually look and drill down into the statement, it was, um, it was actually a really good message, but it got, you know, it got cut into a bunch of sound bites and then sent out into, into the, the digital world, and everybody started tweeting it. Sharing it on Facebook, and then what what happens, TJ? And you'll be able to attest to this, I think, is that once you have a talking point that gets out there, that uh, that says that you know, oh, you didn't build that, and it, it becomes it becomes something that you and I warned about on one of our other shows. It be, it becomes universal truth. So let's dive into this really quick. And, and we didn't even this actually isn't even on our outline for the show today, but. Let's dive into the universal truth about something like that and about how dangerous it can be. And then as soon as my audio loads up here, I'll be able to play the clip that we have for the um, for the You Didn't Build That. And it's the non-splice clip where it talks about at the very end, he says, the point is, and usually when somebody says the point is, that is the point that they're trying to make. So 
TJ, take it away quickly with um with what what can really happen, what can really go wrong with universal truth, and then we can get into you know everything else that we wanted to cover today. Here's the thing about universal truth. A lot of times people ask, what is true? Okay, what can actually be true? How do we know like what is actually true or not? Universal truth is this, you, what what universal truth really is. It basically is when everybody believes something to be true as a whole. So, and one of the examples I always give is um, back inside the um, early days, um, um, way before when um, men had actually set out to explore the new world, people thought that the earth was actually flat. Now, we know, of course, now that the earth is not flat. But since people believed the earth was flat, it basically spread and everybody believed it to be true. The only reason why it was true was because that everybody as a whole believed it to be true. That is the perfect example of universal truth. So when someone says something and you can get a number of people to believe it, that does not make it true. But if everybody accepts it to be the truth, then it's the truth. And then you can actually take things like what Obama said, how they actually took it out of context, and now they are spinning it inside the media and attacking him, which is not really what he said. It's, it's untrue. So, Jake, if you actually have the clip. I'm, I'm trying to pull it up here. It's actually installed. So, you know, people, you can go go search the entire, you know, you can search the entire quote yourself. You can go on YouTube and actually find it. It's um, If you guys wanted a quick reference on YouTube, it's the it's Obama, and then and then it's a, a colon that says, "If you if you've been successful, you didn't get there on your own." Is the clip that I was gonna use, but we're having trouble with the uh, with the formatting here. It's actually not pulling up. So, you know, go search that on your own. As as TJ said in in, in setting up the show today, we're not only gonna give you the real skinny we're going to reference documents we're going to reference the the actual headlines that that you can go and research on your own and and do your own don't you know do your own research do your own background checks do your own fact checking because the last thing that we need is a bunch of people running around you know just reciting rhetoric because it really doesn't get us anywhere and and TJ you and I had a a very lengthy conversation last night and and what it what came about was TJ and I were very frustrated because you, you have people out there in the truth movement that, that you know, I guess they intend to do good, but in essence what they do is they just get people stirred up for, for, for no reason, or they get people stirred up, which is good, but then they don't give them any direction or they don't give them any ideas of, of how, to, how to get out and get involved. And that's one of the things that we touched on last night is that we want to we want to take the people that are that are already you know paying attention to what's going on in in the United States and the world as a whole, and kind of give you some directives and, and things that we've done in in the past to try to get people involved. I mean, TJ, you run you run a pretty successful blog, and you've utilized that platform to drive people to this broadcast in order for you know in order for us to get the word out about what's really going on. So. Talk a little bit about your blog and about how it, you know, and you can drop, you know, you can name drop if you want, 
But talk about how you've utilized that and leveraged that into, you know, getting people, getting some traffic to the show, getting people to pay attention and using your newsletters to, to you know, to get people thinking in, in the right direction. So let's touch on that really quick. And then I want to get into the analogy that I had a, a conversation with a gentleman this week about, and he made a great analogy about a, a tanker ship. And, and I think that this will really encapsulate what we're trying to do and, and and what you face when you try to get somebody to pay attention to to what's really going on. So talk about your your blog really quick and about how you've kind of parlayed that into a way to, to get people to pay attention and, and, and just really get hungry for the truth. When you uh, – one of the things that um, people will know that if Alex Jones um, – Alex Jones Infowars is that his um, Infowars um, actually um, dictates and it actually – well, I can say uh, Infowars reaches out to a much more of an older group. A lot of people that actually follow Infowars are probably maybe inside their middle 30s to late 40s, and then you go down, you have 50s to 60s. The problem is that uh, the future of America is your 20-year-olds, your teenagers. It's the youth. If you cannot grab the youth, then you're not grabbing the future. So one of the things that I did was that, and of course it's me, I'm being 21, um, that uh, a great way to actually to reach out to the youth is you have to actually get their attention first. Now, so what I basically did was I set up me a blog about women, okay? But inside the midst of that blog, which I didn't really think it was going to take off, but now I'm almost at 25,000 followers, I have then used the blog uh, a lot, uh, was especially later on inside the year and back in 2011, to broadcast information about the New World Order, information about the truth, information about the government that they was actually trying to um, cover up. And then I said to me a newsletter and people who was actually following my blog, I actually began messaging me and they was asking me questions about it. And so um, they signed up for the newsletter. And every time I would drop what I would call knowledge to them, more people would get interested. And these are people who are inside college, people who are inside high school, people who are inside their late 20s who are like, okay, I need more of this information. I'm craving it. Mm-hmm. And so... On my platform, now that's what I'm being able to do. Even though I had stopped it for a while, I'm now going to be bringing it back because more young people need to be woken up. Well, and they need to be woken up because, well, let's face it, they're they're basically going through life in suspended disbelief. It's, you know, I, I saw a stat the other day, and I'll link the article to my website. And, um, you know, that's one of the things that, that I slacked on here lately is is linking the articles that we reference here to the site so that you guys will have a quick reference point. So I I did it last night in preparation for the show today, but anything that we do cover today, I'll even put the YouTube video of the Barack Obama speech in the link for the show so everybody could just have a quick reference point. But if you go to wearenotcattle.net, it'll give you a really easy reference point to to go through all the documentation that we that we have here and I'll put all the audio clips up there as well. But um, the one thing that I would like to to kind of piggyback on to TJ is he's exactly right. When you, the youth movement, 
these these are these are kids that are that are coming out of high school, coming out of college, into a wrecked economy, and, and they don't understand why they can't get jobs. And and so what TJ's saying is that by utilizing his platform and and dropping knowledge on these kids that get them to start paying attention to what what the what the problem is and and the way that we the way that we change this stuff is not by divide and conquer it's not by race baiting it's not by any of this stuff it's it's a universal fight tj wouldn't you agree that it's a universal fight that you and i face and and one of the things that we did want to talk about was whether whether you follow whether you follow the message of the person or are you following the person? And a prime example is Alex Jones. And don't get me wrong, Alex Jones does a great job of getting people to to wake up and 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 look at what's going on around them. But then after after you get woken up with Alex Jones, you you either do one of two things: you either branch off on your own and start and start you know compiling your own bits and pieces of data and and doing your own research, or you just believe everything that he says. Well. Unfortunately, and I was disappointed in this, and TJ, you weren't surprised when I told you this. You haven't listened to his show in a while, and I seem to monitor it quite a bit. But he was the one that, that took the ball and ran with it, much like the hardcore right, you know, right-wing media that he demonizes all the time, the mainstream media. He took the you-didn't-build-that quote out of context and ran with it too. And it's just sensationalism that we don't need. You know, We need to go with just straight facts and give people the facts and then let them make their own decision – and then if they come to a decision that that hey this is this is not a good path for us to go down then we need to get everybody together and start figuring out ways to change it and it's always going to start out locally guys it's going to start out with your local representatives and it's going to start out with your you know your local precincts doing stuff in your community doing stuff like you know what TJ and I are doing just running a, a little internet radio show but it's getting people involved it's getting people informed and I think that that's the real misstep is that the public is so uninformed. And then here's here's the tanker analogy that the, the gentleman had for me the other day, which is absolutely beautiful. So imagine the American intellect as a whole as this huge tanker ship. It's, you know, eight football fields long or whatever. And the information that you put into the tanker ship basically is like the engine. You're pumping gas into this tanker ship and you're you're pushing this thing along, okay? So – a tanker ship, as we all know, if you're going to make a left, you can't like pick up the ship and make a 90-degree left. You're going to have to start turning that thing miles and miles ahead, and that's where we are now. Right now, we are on a steamship – or not a steamship. We are on this humongous tanker that's just full steam ahead, but we don't have the information in order to get us to turn it one way or the other. So we need to start turning the ship, and the way that you do that – is by getting people to look outside the box, look at what's really going on, and then the ship will start to turn. And then you add more and more information, which will add more and more speed to the tanker, which will then get the tanker to turn more left or more right or whatever we need to do. But the fact of the matter is is that it's going to take, it's going to take a lot of time. But the only way that we're going to do this stuff is by working together. TJ, you have a vast amount of knowledge. I have a vast amount of knowledge. But what we need to do on the show is we need to share the knowledge with one another. And, and you know, our listeners have a vast amount of knowledge. We actually got a listener on hold here, TJ. I'll pull him up in a second. And, you know, we need to get the conversation going between everyone as far as what's going on here, 
what are we going to do about it and then and then have you know common sense approaches to things and and one of the things that you can't have is just you can't have people like what what you talked about TJ where you can't have people like Alex Jones get people all fired up and then give them nowhere to go oh yeah i mean like i said i mean i really want to dive down and break down like the whole entire Alex Jones mentality but let's go to the collar yeah, okay. So we've had a caller. Sorry I put you on hold for so long, caller. So, you know, just give us just give us a a question if you want a question. If you got a comment, we'll take the comment. But um welcome to We Are Not Cattle Radio. Caller, you're on the air. Hey, thanks. I think you guys are doing a great job. Um I just wanted to, to you know, kind of comment on um you're exactly right. You have to start with the kids. Um, you know, Hitler had that idea too. If you start with the youth, you can change the nation. And uh, that's what they've been doing with the public school system. And uh, I'm glad that, you know, you guys are touching on that. And in fact, I'm enrolling my kids in a school that's based on the Constitution, their background. You know, it's more Christian-based, but it gets them back to the fundamentals. And if we start with the youth, we might have a chance. Yeah, and you're exactly right, Caller. And it, and what it is is when, when you talk about Christian-based, you know, you're going to get a lot of people that are going to push back at that because they see it as pushing religion when, when really – you know, for the for all intents and purposes, if you go to a Christian based school like that, you're gonna get the majority of it's just gonna be teaching somebody morals. And that's what we're running into now as a society is we're we're a society that is pretty much moral less. I mean, we don't have any collective morals anymore. I mean, remember growing up that it was always polite to hold the door for somebody. Now you walk in and somebody'll just let the door slam in your face. I mean, I've seen people walk through and they'll have a a woman two feet behind him, and a, a guy will just open the door and then let the door slam right behind him and just walk in. And, and it just, you know, to me it's appalling because I was raised differently, but now society is skewed to to where that's not, I guess it's either not cool or we're just so self-centered that you don't care. Well, I mean, what are your thoughts, Caller? Do you think that that's pretty fair? Uh, I'd say so. It's, uh, it used to be polite when you're walking down the street and you look at somebody in their in their driveway on their property, you at least wave at them instead of eyeballing them. And um, nobody's friendly anymore. Nobody, they don't, they just don't have that humanity anymore. We see all the violence on TV and it strips us of that. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. Caller, thanks for calling in. Appreciate it. TJ, any points that you wanted to make from, um, from what the caller said? Um, everything he said is actually um, completely right. Um, if you actually know what Lindsey Williams has said, Lindsey Williams has said that the global elite have actually had this thing where they called the Devil's Messiah program. It had nothing to do with the Antichrist, but it had their whole agenda was to get God out of the schools, was to get God out of society. They actually have um, been doing that. Like I said before, when you start taking God out from a country, when you start taking God, when you start taking Jesus out from the school, you actually begin to see a people and a nation to decline. Now, I know a lot of people, you know, they, they talk about the gay marriage thing. Okay, listen, listen. Uh, America um, was, you know, supposedly founded on God, on Jesus, okay? When you start taking God away from the people, then you're going to start having a problem. The only reason why the world is, I mean, really inside a really stable condition is because that the church is still here. As you know, that inside the Bible, it talks about that there will be a great falling away one day. Mm-hmm. And when the Christians actually fall away, that's when you will actually see the earth begin to fall away. Well, 
And I think that, you know, TJ, you and I talked about this yesterday, and it's, um, you know, I think the reason that that if if you're, you're you know, you and I, our show gets it gets really it gets really big. I think that that we're going to run into some problems because we come from two completely different backgrounds, two completely different philosophies, but you and I always end up in in the same place. You know, removing removing religion and removing that from church. And by the way, there is no separation of church and state in the Constitution that does not say that. So anybody that says that there's a separation of church and state, it doesn't. But but I think that you're exactly right. If you start taking away, and I don't think it's so much the religious aspect of it. I think it's I think it's what the Bible teaches, and and what the Bible teaches is is the philosophy of being moral. It teaches and reinstills good values, good wholesome values, and and that's what we need to take away from it all. Is that you know. It's all about us getting together and and having a moral compass and being able to steer, you know, the argument to saying, well, are we really being moral here? Are we really really doing the right thing? Should we stand up for corruption? Should we stand up for people stealing money? Should we stand up to all this stuff? And and the answer is yes, but like you said, we we've got a we've got a society that's so detached. That that the moral compass is slowly going away, and then if the moral compass goes away, now you're just opening the door for all kinds of bedlam. So hey, let's go to the uh, the Larry Pinkney clip really quick, and then you and I can can piggyback on that because just to give you guys some background, Larry Pinkney was a um, he was a former head of uh, the Black Panther Party before it got co-opted, and um, you know he talks about Cartel Pro, and and the one thing that he he discusses. Is he got set up because, and and he goes into later on in the interview, which we don't have. He got set up and and went to jail for ten years for being a political prisoner because they were scared of him because he could unite people. So here's the clip from Larry Pinkney, and then we'll jump into you know breaking it down after this, and then I want to uh, I want to move on to you know a Colorado shooting update, and then we're going to go over the UN gun thing, which is which is treacherous. And a, a bunch of other stuff to cover. So here's the Larry Pinkney uh, clip. I'm the Black Panther Party, former regional minister of Interior for the Republic of New Africa. I write for um, an editorial board member with Black Commentator, BlackCommentator.com, and associate editor with IntrepidReport.com. Um, but more important than any of that, I continue to fight for the human rights of all the people and i began right here at home in the united states of america or the so-called united states i'm beginning to wonder how united we actually are but anyway let me say that the experiences that that i have had personally as a political prisoner for 10 years having been set up and framed viciously and i'm not the only one there are thousands and by the way let me make a point my brother Alex, let me make a point. This covers people of all colors. I repeat, this covers people of all colors. We are all targets. The intent of COINTELPRO is to, and I quote, out directly from U.S. congressional record, I quote, to frame, to murder, to set up, to imprison, political activists, anyone who dissents the policies of the United States government. 
Now, somehow, that strikes me as going contrary to the United States Constitution and to the Declaration of Independence. Somehow, that strikes me as being blatantly contrary. So I continue today in the year 2012 to struggle on behalf of all people, black, white, brown, red, yellow, all people, because we are all targets. And as you so correctly said, Alec, COINTELPRO goes on today. An example is the NDAA, the so-called National Defense Authorization Act, which Obama signed very quickly and quietly on December 31st, 2011, New Year's Eve, when nobody was paying attention, which act makes it, quote, legal to actually detain indefinitely whomever the government, and Obama is currently the chief uh, of, of the government, he is commander-in-chief, but it makes it, it makes it very clear that U.S. citizens in this country can be indefinitely detained without trial, without judge, without jury, without the right to legal defense. It is time for people to wake up, all people, and get out of la-la land. Get out of it, because we are in serious, serious trouble, Alex. So, uh, what do you, TJ? What What are your thoughts on um, on Larry Pinkney's breakdown right there of of what we're really facing and 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 how we need to how we need to band together in order to tackle this thing as, as a unit? I mean, we really do need to tackle, you know, just like what you and I talk about. We need to tackle in the new world order. We need to tackle all of this globalization. We need to tackle it, you know, as united, not divided. So, what do you what are your takeaways from that? It's something that I always say, I always tell people that evil doesn't have a color, but it has many faces. Evil never dies, it always evolves. And you can see it throughout the years you, when you have seen Hitler, when you have seen, um, who else, like Napoleon Bonaparte, when you have seen uh, even people uh, from really any background. It's like I said, it really doesn't matter, even inside China when you have Mao. Um, just to run down something, because I know people, even for new listeners, they always ask, okay, well, what is the New World Order? What is the Illuminati? What is it? The Illuminati is um, a body of 13 different bloodline families who are all connected to one another, and they operate through 500 bloodlines globally. Mm. The New World Order is a concept that they want to establish. Um, now, there's a difference between the New World Order and, and a One World Order. Right. The New World Order is what the Illuminati um, wants to establish. The New World Order actually will consist of several unified, I would say, um, government bodies, how you have the European Union. Yep. They want a North American Union. You might have the Shanghai um, connection. However, the One World Order is something which you actually find when you get into the Antichrist, and it will be one man ruling the whole entire world. But there's a difference between the Illuminati and the global elite. The yeah. global elite are those people who actually have the most wealth. These are the people that really control the banks. Now, even though that, uh, even though that the Illuminati actually control the banks and they fall into the same groups as the global elite, the Illuminati are much more on a more sacred level than the global elite, okay? Yeah. So there's a difference. And then you get into the shadow government, 
And the shadow government is what you see people like President Obama, President Bush, Mitt Romney, the um, Democrats and the Republicans. You see, now you get into that it doesn't matter which color you are. It doesn't matter if you're black, if you're white, if you're Chinese. There's people throughout to the shadow government who are actually working for these people. And the only way that we can defeat them is together. The only way we can get to the future is together. You need to stop playing the race card. You need to stop playing the gender card. You need to come together, and we need to work together. You see, it's the whole entire plan of the global elite, of the Illuminati, of the shadow government to separate the people. Because if you separate the people um, on, of course, inside the middle class and the poor class, you actually can separate, you can actually can disrupt them from coming together and defeating them. That is the goal that they have been um, been playing. That is the hand they've been dealing, and it has been working I'm, I'm pretty much forever, ever since um, Darwinism, ever since eugenics and so forth. Yeah, and you're you're exactly right. And and I know that it sounds... It's it sounds so weird, you know. It sounds so weird when you when you first hear about this stuff to think. So there's there's a group of people that are trying to create a a world government, a a one central bank, and then and then it actually the more that you get into, the more you get involved in politics, the more you get involved in um, in looking at these and looking at these scenarios. It, it actually becomes more and more plausible because if you look at the people that that enjoy to be quote unquote leaders, whether they're you know whether they're spiritual leaders or or what have you, there's a lot of them that um, and I don't want to say a lot. That's probably a bad term, but there's a a good select few that enjoy the power and control. They like controlling people. They like um, they like they're just control freaks. There's no other way to describe it. And here, here's a good example right here. Mayor Bloomberg was on with Pierce Morgan the other day, and I've got a clip from his show, and it's about it's a minute and 30 seconds long. So, I mean, this is the mayor of New York City where he talks about that that the police should go on strike until everybody in America turns their guns in, which, you know, this is the same mayor that, that came out a couple of months ago and said, I'm going to ban soft drinks over 20 ounces. And and it's not – guys, at the end of the day, it's not what he's banning that's the big issue. It's – you know, they're pushing moduses of control on you, and the more that you accept – TJ, would you agree with this? The more control that you accept, the more that they'll start to take. It's kind of like the old adage, if you give them an inch, they're going to take a mile. Am I right? Oh, yeah. I mean, we had talked about this inside a previous show. It's called – incrementalism, which mm-hmm. what you do is that you don't just do it right away. You have to condition people. You do it little by little. You know, it it's almost as if you had a child, mm-hmm. and if they had, like, a pool of candy, you're not going to take it away right away. What you do is you take so much away every day until eventually it becomes none. But their brains get used to it, so they still see, well, I still have a lot here, even though he mm-hmm. took away a little bit of this. Mm-hmm. But before you know it, all of it is gone. Yeah, and that's what you see in the American society today. It's, you know, and that's a that's a great, we can even put that analogy towards the, uh, the morals that we talked about earlier and the moral compass. You know, it just slowly gets, 
it slowly gets drained and drained and drained and you're and you're taught through um reality television guys there's a reason they call it television programming it's because you're you're getting programmed to accept things that that aren't typically normal in a fully functioning well-versed and well you know well-gelled society you're you're accepting things that that want to alienate you look at you know look at all the programming about like Anytime that you watch reality TV or the majority of reality TV, some of it can be good, but the majority of it are basically just self-centered, self-righteous individuals that all they do is go around and yell and scream at people and get in people's faces. And that has a trickle-down effect because, you know, like you said, TJ, young people are very impressionable. And so if you get stuff like that, if they start seeing that stuff all the time, they eventually translate that into their day-to-day life, and then that's what you end up getting as a society. But let me go to the Bloomberg clip really quick, and then you and I can can just move on through and talk about – let's jump into to the Colorado shooting right now and how some things are not lining up, and even the mainstream media is pulling that out. And then I want to talk about the uh, the UN gun treaty and that everybody should be aware of. And then everybody should be calling their senator. Our um, our senators here in um, in Georgia are both um, are both staunchly against it, which is good. So I don't have to make a lot of phone calls. But believe me, if I had somebody that I thought was on the fence, I'd be I'd be definitely making some making some calls. But here's the clip. Every time one of these things happens, Gabrielle Giffords last year, this shooting here, there's an outrage, and then very quickly it, it dissipates. The American people quite quickly go back to their normal lives and they don't demand action in the way that I would expect them to. Why do so many Americans not feel angry enough to demand further gun control? Well, I would take it one step further. I don't understand why the police officers across this country don't stand up collectively and say, we're going to go on strike. We're not going to protect you unless you, the public, through your legislature, do what's required to keep us safe. After all, police officers want to go home to their families. And we're doing everything we can to make their job more difficult, but more importantly, more dangerous by leaving guns in the hands of people who shouldn't have them and letting people who have those guns buy things like armor-piercing bullets. The only reason to have an armor-piercing bullet is to go through a bullet-resistant vest. The only people that wear bullet-resistant vests are our police officers. And that's true across this whole country. So we should, at some point, we have to understand this is our children or grandchildren or us. But for the police officers, it's much more immediate because when you and I hear shots, we run away. They run towards it. You know what? I want to talk with this. I just, I just want to talk to this real quick because what he said is the most idiotic thing. Like, I mean, like, come on, okay. Everybody knows that the majority of guns that criminals use are not legally bought. They are bought off the street. Off the street. The guy that actually did the Batman massacre bought these guns legally. We all know that Nearly all the guns that criminals use are not legally bought. They bought off the street. And second of all, the Second Amendment of the United States clearly says to maintain a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security. I say that again, to the security of a free state, 
the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Yeah, what that I... means is that the whole purpose for Americans to have guns, legally to have guns, is to protect themselves. That means from foreign intruders and domestic. If you take away the guns that we can legally buy, that does not stop criminals from buying guns off the black market. That does not stop criminals from buying guns off the street and using it on you. What do you do then when you have criminals that have illegal guns coming into your house? Oh, well, we don't have no more guns because you idiots banned it. <laughs> well, you make a great point. And, you know, I, I I hate to use the phrases everybody knows and, you know, but but guys, we live in America. A lot of you should know that. A lot of you should know that anytime you hear somebody say that the Second Amendment is for hunting, it is not for hunting. It's the last line of defense against tyranny. One of the things that that um that I did take away from Alex's show and he's he's exactly right is is the way to fight tyranny is number 1 is the first amendment and then the and then if tyranny overruns you then you have the second amendment and they put that in place in that order so that so that the you know that the American public and and that this country could survive and withstand like TJ said an invasion or you know a, a tyrannical government so you know, it's one of those things where, you know, Bloomberg has his gun laws and regulations in New York City and it's locked down, so only the criminals have guns and and you're just you're just asking for trouble right there. When you're telling the cops to stand down, I mean, you are just asking for trouble. He later redacted the comment and said that, you know, that's not really what he meant, but but the guy's an authoritarian. And and we probably TJ, you and I probably shouldn't even give this guy lip service, but but this is the thing that we need to – this is what we need to talk about. We need to talk about the truth. Well, the truth is, like TJ said, the majority of crimes that happen with guns are not with registered guns. They're with guns that are bought off the black market or guns that are bought or stolen from somebody. So to go out and say this is just – is really taking a, a big leap, and, and like TJ said – the the shooter in Colorado bought all that stuff legally, and now, you know, I actually I don't even. It's just so covered in the mainstream media. The 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 holes in the story are there, and if you guys want to know more about the shooting, just you know read a bunch of articles because a lot of the stuff doesn't add up. But then again, it's. I mean, we need to get into the UN gun treaty. Now the UN Gun Treaty. For those of you that don't know, it's it's the UN. Um, oh gosh, they call it AT. I can't remember. It's, it's it's a small arms trade treaty. Is basically what it is. And after reading through it, I read I read it um, I read it on Thursday when it came out. It's got like twenty five amendments or whatever. And then I read it again last night. But um, the perspective that you need to have. As they always say, the devil's in the details, and, and in this case, the devil is in the wording. So, a couple of the things that I would like to point out: number one, it calls for a it calls for a national registration um, database. So, me being a fellow gun owner, I don't like that at all. I mean, I don't like the fact that they can force you to nationally register your guns. I mean, you get a background check when you go to buy a firearm. 
And and anybody that says that it's oh you you know you just go in there and you buy it well no you get screened by the FBI they call in your driver's license your name and they do a background check and then if you pass the background check you can buy the firearm it's it's not like you go in willy nilly and say oh I want that gun and they're like oh okay five hundred dollars and you just buy it and walk out the door that's not the way it works you get screened for it so you got to wait there a little bit. But you don't have to register it. And the reason that a lot of people don't want to register guns is because that leads to a point where they can call for a confiscation. And when you call for a confiscation, now you have this entire database with with all of these people with all of their firearms registered. And you go and you start collecting firearms. So mm-hmm. the the reason the American public, you know, especially people that that are the quote unquote bitter clingers. The reason that these people un- that don't want to give up their firearms and they don't want to register them is because they don't want to be a part of a database in case of something like that happening. In case of tyrannical government, the people understand that that we might be the last line of defense. But you know, even more so, what if you confiscate all the firearms and then we get invaded? <laughs> I mean, you exactly. you could have had you could have had you know two or three million. People with guns, and that's one of the things that the um, I think it was the admiral in uh, in Japan said that they would never invade the United States because underneath every underneath every bush there's a man with a gun. So, <laughs> I mean, it not only protects you from it not only protects you from tyrannical regimes or anything like that. It also protects you from foreign enemies because foreign enemies, let's face it. They're not going to invade the United States because we have too many weapons, and you have too many people here that love liberty and and will defend the republic and will defend their freedoms. Because, you know, the, America used to be the beacon of hope for for every nation, and now as we slowly see it degrade and we slowly see the morals go away, you're starting to see the liberty and the freedoms go away. You know, you see the NSA coming out openly saying that they spy on us, and TJ, I I, I don't know if you're if you're, you know, to this point or not, but I used to get really upset when I would hear about that, knowing that the TSA is spying on me, knowing or not the TSA, knowing that the NSA is spying on me, knowing that oh, Google, yeah. knowing that Google is, you know, had the had the big fiasco where they talked about how Google stole the emails and passwords from people when they went around with their little buggies and did the street views, and then Google denied it. Well, it came out in the news actually just yesterday. Um, here's the. I'll link this on the web page. It's the. Um, it's from the Telegraph, the London Telegraph, and it talks about, you know, they failed to delete all the Street View data, and then they just say, oh, I'm sorry, it was a human error. Well, I've kind of become numb to all this stuff, and and I guess I take the side of what the the gentleman said at the hackers convention last year, where he said that you have no more privacy anymore. Get over it. I mean, there's really nothing that we can do now because we're so far down this line and it was done so, you know, so much by stealth that you really can't reverse it. What do you think, TJ? Do you think that we can reverse this? And and this is why you need to have such a big push for Internet freedom is because if they start locking that down, then then they've got all the data and all the stuff compiled on on every American citizen that they need in order to do psychological profiles, the whole nine, and not to sound too quote-unquote conspiracy theory, but it's just proven the fact that they're going to run this stuff through actuaries, and they're going to build up a a database on you, much like the 
much like the Nazis did with you know with political dissonance over there. That's the only reason I don't like being spied on. It's not because I, I got something to hide or anything like that. It's it's because you can use that data to to really silo off Americans and put them into little groups, and that's a and that's a really scary road to go down. TJ, what are your thoughts on that? The whole one of the main agendas of the shadow government of the new order. One thing they have to get is control, and in order to get control, you have to be able um, to lock down the people. And this is one reason why you're seeing this UN gun treaty because if you actually know what the gun treaty does, is not only does it just put you inside a register, but it also allows them to confiscate your guns. One of the reasons why they want to confiscate your guns is because when the social unrest happens inside the United States of America, when the economic collapse happens, they do not want the people to be able to fight back. That is their whole main goal. And the reason why you see things like Facebook, because if you actually have read my newsletter or, or, if, or if you have listened to the prior shows, that I actually broke down how Facebook was actually government-funded and how the Facebook, the whole entire notion of it was to create a global database to keep a record of people. But not even that, when you get into Project Echelon, which is the main system that the government actually runs, which keeps a record of anything that is emailed, anything that is said, text messages, you name it, they can pick it up. And they have these supercomputers that run scans looking for certain words and it has the ability to freaking i mean to log everything and this is globally yeah what it's not just to get to it's a spy grid they don't want you to have no freedom they don't want you to they don't want you to talk about about the government they want to lock down the internet that's why you saw those type of bills like CISPA and ACTA they want to lock down freedom of speech and I had even talked about how they was talking about launching a new internet called internet 2 where it will be set up like um, a subscription base in which you will actually have to buy certain websites almost have you do like with um, cable. That's yeah, and and then you get then you'll get like a login provision and stuff like that. So everywhere you go to use the the internet, you'll have to log in and and have a username and password. So so then they can just allocate you know whatever cookies that you have going to whatever websites you want. They can just allocate that to your username and login, and then interface everything together. And it's you know this is not conspiracy stuff. This is stuff that people should be worried about. This is stuff that you should think about. And this is second level thinking, and it's just you know it's we need to have a conversation about these kind of things, TJ. Wouldn't you agree that this is this is a conversation that needs to be had between you know the between citizens? Hey, how do you feel about this? Well, I don't I don't know. It doesn't bother me. Okay, that's fine. You know, how do you feel about this? Well, I don't like that at all. Well. You know, there's going to be two differing sides always, but you need to understand that that the more that, like TJ said, the incrementalism, the more that they start taking, the more that they start, you know, utilizing this stuff and and creating silos. And yes, it might stop a a terrorist and and, and all that thing. And but at the end of the day, if you sacrifice your liberties for freedom, you're going to get neither. Or your liberties for security, you're going to get neither. Excuse me, that was a really bad, that was a really bad <laughs> statement. But um, TJ, let's move on just a little bit, and let's, um, you know, the UN gun thing, the registration. You know, you're right; it could lead to confiscation, but they don't talk about it specifically in there because that would have 
Americans completely up in arms. But the one thing that I did see that I didn't like either was um, was the the regulation of trade. So so basically, what that means is that one nation couldn't couldn't not trade with somebody under a quote unquote fair trade kind of deal. They could not trade with a country. So let's say that Iran wants to call up the United States and, and order some some tanks. Well, in this treaty, the United States couldn't – I mean they could refuse, but then they could get sanctioned by the UN for not selling tanks to Iran. So it really does open up Pandora's box and – and everybody, you should, you know, go look up, go look up the uh, UN ATT treaty, and then, you know, for listeners that are out of the state of Georgia, go look up who your senator is because those are the people that are going to be able to vote on this because Barack Obama will probably sign it due to, you know, due to global pressures and all of that good stuff. And then it's up to your senators whether they're going to ratify it or not. So you need to find out where your senator stands. Not telling you how to vote on this, but all I'm saying is this is a very big infringement on the Second Amendment. And for people like TJ and people like myself that that are that are libertarians at heart that want truth, they want you know I, I just want my property rights, I want my freedom, I don't want the government putting their hands down my pants. It's just simple things like that. If if you start moving in this direction, it, it can really get out of control quick. And like I said, I'm not one of those guys that thinks that Chicken Little, the sky is falling. But when you start talking about registering firearms, typically not a good way to go. Now let's talk about, TJ, let's talk about the economy. And I've got a bunch of clips here that'll that'll help people. Now there was this big LIBOR scandal, and I'm going to let... I'm going to let Paul Craig Roberts, I went to his website and, and took a couple of clips from him being interviewed. I want him, he's going to break down what a LIBOR rate is and why this is such a big deal. And then on the backside, I'm going to take it a little bit further. And then TJ, you and I can discuss, you know, from our points of view, what what this could mean and, and why the why this is such a scary proposition when you talk about economic collapse and stuff. You know, when you, when you talk about an economic collapse, it's not going to look like anything that that you see over in Greece and you see over in Europe. It could be, you know, it could be something that could be horrific if we don't if we don't figure this stuff out and prosecute the criminals that have put us in this position. When TJ and I talk about the New World Order, it's typically run by by the mega banks and the people over the mega banks that are doing these kind of shady deals. And basically stealing money from people and, and laughing all the way to the bank, no pun intended. When when you fix the uh, overnight borrowing rate, the London overnight borrowing rate low, uh, what you're doing is affecting the prices of all debt instruments that have floating rates because most of those floating rate instruments are based off LIBOR. And as you know, Greg, the uh, price of a debt instrument moves in the opposite direction uh, from the interest rate. So a low interest rate means a high price of the debt instrument, whereas a high interest rate means a low price of the debt instrument. And so the real import of the of the lower LIBOR rate was to boost the values of the debt instruments on the bank's books that have floating rates like collateral debt obligations. Mortgage-backed securities. 
or, or any asset back, Mr. Uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Security, yeah, security, <laughs> any asset back uh, instrument. So, uh, what the uh, what the scandal does is it it, it uh, makes the banks look more solvent than they are, but it's only one small part of the overall rigging because the Federal Reserve and the Bank of England have known about this for years. I mean, the Federal Reserve uh, has known about it since 2008. And of course, they, why would they want to do something about it? Because their policy is low interest rates. And that's also the policy of the Bank of England because the low interest rates are necessary to keep these massive banks that they let get too big. They're too big to fail because the consequences are enormous. So it's the policy of the Federal Reserve and the Bank of England to have low interest rates. So why would they object to something that helps the interest rates be low? They don't. So obviously, so no, they didn't try to do anything about it uh, because they're doing the same thing themselves. That's what the Fed is doing, fixing the rates low. And what, when, the, when the banks do this, it simply helps that process along. So, TJ, you can kind of get a picture in your head of what's going on here, you know. And this is the reason that the audit, the Fed bill that we're gonna that we are gonna talk about next. The reason that the audit, the Fed bill, needs to be passed, and it did get passed, and it needs to be ratified because. You know, you have all of this money. <laughs> you have all of this money that that the Fed pumps into the system, and then they rig the game by by setting interest rates at zero, and and, and basically forcing the hand of the market to come down. And so, you know, it goes beyond the LIBOR fixing rates. And yeah, that's you know, you're you're fixing rates, and and that's you know, that's basically financial terrorism. But what the Fed does is is even bigger than that, and and here's a here's a clip from Dennis Kucinich that that I want to get into, and then TJ, I'm going to let you talk about this because I want to get your perspective on this kind of stuff, and and I want you to give a message to the younger generation about how they can start learning about this and how they can get more informed and more knowledgeable. So that then we can have a conversation with not only people of of my generation and older that understand what's going on, but we can get a conversation going with the youth of America and get them involved and get them to figure out what's going on. And then out of that, I think that we'll get a, a more knowledgeable, you know, a more knowledgeable community, a more knowledgeable citizenry. And then once the citizens have knowledge. Then all of these little games that they play, all the games are going to be up, and thus, you know, thus the New World Order's plan will be foiled. But as of right now, we're in a position that 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 only a few people understand what's going on, and those are the ones that are running around like chicken little. The sky is falling because they see everywhere that they turn that people don't care about. They don't care about economics. They don't care about morals. All they care about is pop culture. So. This is a Dennis Kucinich clip, and it's a bill that he introduced back in um, 2011 that we really need to look into. And and it's a it's a great he breaks down the the bank loan, and then TJ, I'm going to let you speak to the youth of the nation really quick. The Federal Reserve secretly gave nearly eight trillion dollars. That's T for trillion dollars 
to American and international banks during the 2008 bailout, according to Bloomberg News. The banks made an estimated $13 billion in profits through this scheme. Did Congress have a clue? Nine of the largest banks that received the secret Fed bailouts paid nearly 5,000 of their employees a million dollars or more in bonuses. Question, where did the Fed get most of the $7.7 trillion? Answer, they created it out of nothing. That's right, the Federal Reserve creates money, a constitutional privilege the founders had reserved to Congress. The Fed secretly picked winners and losers propping up big banks while the banks accelerated foreclosure on millions of American homes. Unlimited resources for the banks, nothing for the American people. Does there exist a more graphic example of how thoroughly rotten this financial system is? Now do you understand Occupy Wall Street? 10 million homes are in jeopardy, 14 million people out of work, 50 million without health care, endless wars, the Fed creates money out of nothing, gives it to banks, banks keep it on deposit, gain interest, pay high bonuses, fat city, well, the rest of America falls apart. The Fed creates money out of nothing for the banks. Meanwhile, the rest of us have to be stuck in a debt-based economic system? I don't think so. We need to regain our sovereignty over the banks. We must take back the power the Federal Reserve grabbed in 1913 and reclaim Congress's constitutional right to create money and to invest it, to create jobs, save homes, enable education for all, health care for all, retirement security, and peace. Is this possible? Is there a way to make this happen? Yes, it's called the NEED Act. Learn more about it on my website. This is the fundamental issue of our times. Who creates money? Who gets it? And to what end? The wealth of this nation is being accelerated to the top with the help of the Fed. H.R. 2990, the National Emergency Employment Defense Act, the NEED Act, would stop the rogue Fed, put it under the U.S. Treasury, impose transparency, and at last reclaim the power of the people to have control over our own destiny. The bill would establish fiscal integrity, reassert the sovereignty of the people over money and banks, and enable the creation of jobs, infrastructure repairs, and education without increasing the national debt or causing inflation. We need the NEED Act. We need to regain control of our country. So, TJ, if you could speak to, if you can speak to the younger generation, the generation below, you know, behind me, your generation, and, and a little bit younger than you, what would you tell them that they need to know about the economic system here in America? And then I can expand out and 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 kind of go over what what this whole, you know, smorgasbord of corruption and smorgasbord of of false debt obligations and all kinds of craziness that we got out there and the derivatives and all of that. I'll break down what all of that means for us and why you and I talk about um economic collapse being something of a of a probability, not a it's not a definite, but it there is a probability of it happening. So what would you like to say to the youth of America right now? The main source of control for the Illuminati or for I should say the global elite. Yeah, the main source of 
uh, power for the global elite is the banks. The banks has been the biggest threat to the United States going all the way back to, uh, I mean, even when it was established. Even Andrew Jackson fought against the banks when he won. And, of course, his dying words, his last dying words was that he defeated the banks. The banks are the central core. A lot of people think that the Federal Reserve is a federal institution governed by the government, but the Federal Reserve is actually is not a federal entity of the United States government. It's actually separate from it. So why do they actually regulate our money? And who actually owns and controls the Federal Reserve? The Federal Reserve is ran by no other than the global elite. That's why John F. Kennedy, before he was actually killed, he actually proposed to eliminate the Federal Reserve. And, of course, after he was killed, um, that did not happen because Lyndon B. Johnson, who was, of course, another New World Order puppet, dismissed it. Yeah, first order of business, I'm going to yeah. repeal I'm going to repeal Executive Order 11110. Yeah, go ahead. The Federal Reserve is an entity that is a global bank that creates debt for not only the U.S. government, but for many other governments around the world. And These that's, the, the, that's people- the kicker right there. Get into that. That is the absolute kicker that that you need to understand is not only does the Fed create money out of nothing to give to our population – but they also sign on to foreign nations. They sign foreign nations on the debt. So go into that a little bit and try to paint a clear picture for the kids. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but that's the meat and potatoes of what we're facing. If you really want to talk about how they really do, you have to think about it like this. Okay, the reason why, let's say, um, diamonds. Why are diamonds worth so much money? Because diamonds are rare. It's hard to find diamonds. The harder, the the rarer something is, the more money it's worth. So when you take in money, okay, the less money that is actually circulating around makes it more valuable. But what the Federal Reserve does is every time when we have, um, what do you call it, Jake, um, those time periods on what they have to put more money to the economy. Oh, you you have um, what's called stimulus, but basically they yeah. print they 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 sign on a bunch of um a bunch of money that they create out of nothing, which the American taxpayers not only have to pay back, but they have to pay back in interest. And TJ, your diamond analogy is is pretty good, other than the fact that that's a controlled substance. But I think that you're not a controlled substance, but it's a controlled commodity. That's why they jack the prices up because they don't want them to get out in circulation. It's it's the exact same thing that the Fed does. It's artificial scarcity. It's stuff like that. So yeah, continue on with what you were talking about about how you know the stimulus pumping more money into the system, you know, devalues our currency and then and then signs on and they and they give money to other nations. I don't get that. So go into that a little bit. Anytime when you enter their their little quarters. Only thing they are doing is actually dumping more money into the economy. It's like, okay, well, the economy is low, so the only way we're going to get it back is, well, we have to print more money and throw it into the economy. So these people are printing billions of dollars, just billions of dollars, without really any permission. Because remember now, they are not controlled by any um, form of the government, and they just regulate the money and they pump money into the economy. 
You just can't keep pumping money into the economy because what does it does? It devalues the dollar. This is one reason why the U.S. dollar is becoming weak and is speculated to be completely worthless by the end of 2012. When you actually get into other countries, then you start getting into what we call this treasury bills. And treasury bills is almost like debt. Okay, so let's say that I'm China. Okay, and the U.S. has debt. I will sell some of my debt to China, and so what China would do, China would actually then buy up my debt, and then right then and there, China then owns a piece of the United States. The more treasury bills or T-bills, the more debt a country buys up from another country, the more they are actually has control. So as you know, China owns actually uh, has bought up the most of our debt, so if, if at any time, was to ask for the money back, we will be subject to them because whoever um, owns the debt owns you. That's correct. And 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 another thing that that you run into with with pumping money into the system and that and that other countries will get will get upset about is that if you pump more money into the system, it devalues the T bill. So the T bill is the treasury bill, like you talked about. It devalues the T-bill. So if you pump a lot of money into the system, devalue the currency, it devalues the T-bill. And then now you're going to have a nation that's not only upset that you're that you're devaluing your currency, but you're they're going to be upset because you're basically making that T-bill that they have in their hand worth less and less every time you, quote-unquote, do a stimulus. So here's another clip that I have from the Paul Craig Roberts interview. And um, this is a, this is another good one, and it really goes into what the banks are, are doing. And when he talked about earlier, this is what I tried to explain to people when when we did the banker bailout. You know why it didn't trickle down into the economy? Well, it didn't trickle down into the economy because the Fed gave a lot of you know a lot of money that they created out of nothing to these large banks. Well, these large banks can just hold the money. And, and and collect interest on it, you know, whether it's 2% or 3%, it's at no risk to the banks to collect that money. So they basically make money from the Fed giving them money. It's it's a great scam if you can run it, but that's why you had all this pushback and you never saw anybody get any money and you never saw the you never saw the economy kick up because they didn't let the money out into circulation. And it's like what Ron Paul said, if you really wanted to stimulate the economy, you need to cut checks to the end users. You need to cut checks to the people. You don't need to cut checks to the big banks so they can hold it and make millions off it and then go on lavish trips. So here's the here's the Paul Craig Roberts clip, and then uh, I got a couple of other clips, and then TJ, we'll close it out here in a little bit. Uh, and that's not all the banks are doing, Greg. Uh, also, the banks sell interest rate swaps. Because that's the way of shorting interest rates and driving them down. If you sell an interest rate swap, it means you are betting that interest rates would go down. Because what you do is you tell the buyer, okay, I'll pay a floating rate, but you pay the exist you pay me the existing fixed rate. So it's a bet that rates are going down. If you sell enough of those, you force the rates down. And as has been made clear of all the trillions and trillions of dollars in derivatives, uh, 80% of them are interest rate swaps. <laughs> so, for example, uh, J.P. Morgan, I think, has $70 trillion of derivatives on its, bank, uh, on its books. 
and 80% are interest rate swaps. So that is another way that the banks help the central banks keep the interest rates down. There are charts available online that show uh, that every now and then the markets get uh, wary of buying ever more debt from the United States, for example, from the Treasury, uh, when the interest rates on the debt are negative. What do you want to buy? Uh, 10, 20 year bonds, 30 year bonds at a negative interest rate? Hey. Okay. Just to just to clarify, a, a negative interest rate is a is a rate of growth that is actually less than the rate of inflation. So this is why inflation is such a big deal, and this is why you know the Fed's job is to control the amount of money in circulation to control the the inflation and deflation. That's what they were created for. But but in essence, what you're seeing here is the Fed is doing the exact opposite. They're they're dictating the market. They are the ones in that are in control. And when this audit, the Fed comes out, you know they're going to do a deep audit of the Federal Reserve. And I have no idea if this thing's going to get through because if it does get through, I mean it it might be to the point where the American public wants to bring back the guillotine or something crazy like that because. If you look at what they've done and you look at what they're doing, I mean, basically, what's happened is you've had the Fed and the big banks have extended themselves so much that if they don't do stuff like this, it's going to fail. And we might not keep it from failing. As you heard, 80% of the derivatives and the derivatives guys, derivatives are just basically bets. They're yes or no bets. Either they come true or they don't come true. So he's right. If 80% of the derivatives are are bets on whether the interest rates are going to go down and then the Fed comes out and says that we're going to keep interest rates at zero, it's basically creating a negative interest rate because the interest that you're paying is less than the rate of inflation. It's basically stealing money. I mean it's not basically stealing money. It is stealing money. But you can't reverse this because there's too much tied up in it. And that's why one of the good things that I that I do like about Alex Jones is when he brings up this stuff, when he says that when he says that, hey, we need to get rid of all the phony debt, the phony derivatives, this is the stuff that he's talking about. The the printed money out of nothing, the the price fixing, the the negative interest rates, all of that. So you know that's what we're facing, everybody, and that and it's really really hard to get a grasp on it. And the way that I got a grasp on all of this stuff, truth be told, is I sat down for one night. I wanted to really understand what was going on and and beef up my knowledge. And I sat, you know, and watched YouTube um, lectures from from renowned economists and watching them break it down over hours and hours, and then watching watching videos of how fractional reserve banking works and then watching videos on what derivatives are and how the bets are run and and what happens if they bust and so the the knowledge is out there and and you have to find your own way of 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 gaining knowledge if you if you gain knowledge through reading that's great if you gain knowledge through visually there's a bunch of youtube videos out there but make sure you're watching them from credible people so you know my takeaway from the show today is is basically like we talked about before. We need to unite. We need to be 
We need to be in this together. We need to share information with one another. We need to quit being condescending. We need to quit being so abrasive towards one another. TJ, what are your final thoughts? And then I'll, and then I'll close out the show. But that's what I want to take away from it. Let's unite. Let's look at this as a collective, as a whole. And then let's find a plan of action and what we can really do to to maybe stave off something that could be that could be catastrophic in the future. I believe that um, I think that the next show we should actually do should actually talk about what we should actually do to defeat them because I know you know a lot of us always talk about it and one thing that Alex Jones does that he always talks about it but he never gives you solutions mm-hmm. and a lot of the, a lot of the solutions he gives I mean like going around putting posters yeah that's not really going to do anything. We are going to have to organize. We are going to have to set up a new political party, one that does not come from Washington, D.C., to have an organization that has a strategic leadership, that has a mission, that we will be able to go inside there, sit down with these people to like tell them, okay, this is what we want, to be able to make a presence inside the world and inside the U.S. to let people know that, hey, we are here, we have an organization, and this is what we are attending to do. Yeah, I, I think that that's a, that's a really great way to, to kind of end it right there. You know, just, you know, we'll get into some solutions or or some avenues that you guys can to, can organize and and really just kind of get involved with one another. And, and I think that we do need to... You know, we do need to start bringing morals back into society. And the only way that it happens, everybody, is that you got to do it. You've got to be the leader. You've got to be the person that says, you know, I'm not going to do X, Y, and Z anymore. I'm going to hold the door for that lady. I'm going to hold the door for the person behind me. And and it's just common courtesy. Those kind of things will build on themselves. The The last thing that we need is everybody to to fall into the right-left paradigm and start infighting with one another over, let's face it, two empty suits that are going to be running for president. They're really two empty suits, and and they, they both talk a great game. They're great orators, but at the end of the day, orators are not going to solve our problems. Who What's going to solve our problems are we the people. Like TJ said, a great idea is to, to start – you know, to to start finding out what your political beliefs are, and then align them with people in your area, and then go and make a movement. I mean, that's what we really have to do. We have to start from the ground up, and it's going to start with just local municipalities. You're going to have to get educated. You're going to have to get involved, and then you're going to have to start running for for local office. It's something that I've talked about, you know, in my inner circle that that hey, I think I would like to run for office, but you know, it's kind of like where do you start? So. We'll get into how to organize next week, some of the things that you can start a dialogue with. But always remember, everybody, not go off of talking points. We should start demanding the truth from our media. I think that that would be a great start in order to for everybody to kind of come together. Is start demanding the truth and not rhetoric. So I, I do want to appreciate TJ for bringing the intro in today. TJ, you did a great job. We were talking about that, you know, right up to the show. So once again, everybody, TJ, thanks for being with me. Caller, thanks for calling in. Everybody, get a friend, get informed, and get involved, and let's take this country back and move it in the right direction. Thanks for listening.